Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Unbound Podcast. I'm your host, Yana Filio, and I'm here to bring you inspiring stories, authentic conversations, and people who have pushed the boundaries in sports, business, and everything in between. I'm so happy you're here. Now let's get this party started. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another Wednesday, another episode. I hope you're having an awesome week. You guys are just thriving. This episode is a conversation that is very cool to me because I'm sitting down with one of the first boxers I was ever exposed to and that I've been admiring since the very beginning of my own career, Mandy Bujo. Mandy is an 11-time national champion, a two-times Pan American champion, and a 2016 Olympian. And in this conversation, we're really diving into her athletic career and the 2016 Olympics and the unfortunate events that basically stripped her of her opportunity and how now she's preparing through COVID for the 2020, now 2021 Olympics, and also being a new mom coming back to the sport. And so I think this conversation is a very cool one that really focuses on perseverance and determination, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get started, please make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button to get that automatic download every Wednesday when I release an episode. And if you want to leave me a review on iTunes, they would really help. I'd love to see what you guys have to say about the show. So now, without further ado... Let's get started. All right. So I'd like to just start. There's a point that I'm very interested in that I find ironic after a 15-year career. And it's when you started boxing, I read that you didn't even want to spar. You wanted absolutely (laughs) nothing to do with nothing. You just wanted to learn it a little bit, but you were very reluctant at the beginning. So you want to maybe just explain a little how that even started? Well, I think, I mean, I like to think it's pretty natural that when you start um, in the sport that you're a little hesitant to want to get hit. I think most people like hitting things or, you know, sparring, um, but you don't really want to get hit back. <laughs> right, you know, right, right. Natural to kind of like want to close your eyes, turn your head. And I think that was my experience early on is I don't feel like I really had the coaches um like sit down, take the time to teach me what I need to know to feel comfortable in that situation. Um, And then it was just like, okay, like go ahead and spar. And I just kind of felt like overwhelmed by it. Mm. So I would make like every excuse in the book, just not to get into the ring. Like I had forgot my mouthpiece or I wasn't feeling good or, (laughs) you know, whatever you could think of just not to get in there. Cause I just, you know, I liked the sport. I liked um, the training, but I didn't really see myself fighting or needing that component of it. So it wasn't until I had like coaches actually slow things down for me, um, really take the time to teach me properly and then put me in more controlled environment where I felt comfortable. And then that's where I started to thrive. And that's where I started to really enjoy that. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's still for anybody. It takes time to like, understand how to take a punch, you know, what to do when the punch is coming at you. Um, and for me, it just didn't come right away. It was something that Mm -hmm. I had to really work on and get comfortable with. Um, and then once I did, I, you know, I fell in love with all aspects of the sport. Right. And especially like, I think you were 15 when you started. So like a young girl and like I was 17 and I'm just very curious, was your first sparring experiences fun? Like, were you with someone your size? I was not a girl. I was with a girl, uh, a girl. Actually, There was, there was a few, um, but the girl was much bigger than I was. Um, so yeah, and she had more experience as well. So it wasn't really like, you know, it was someone that had always kind of followed her brothers to the boxing gym. So mm-hmm. it was a little, little bit different for me. It was just completely new. Um, I'd have to even go back and look at it to see like, was I even doing the right things? Like I honestly, to me, it was just like a complete blur, just like, oh my God, just try to survive. Like, I just remember being completely exhausted after every round. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, but I mean, again, those are kind of fun memories to look back on and to see like how far I've come um, in the sport. Yeah, and like I can really relate to the aspect of not necessarily having a coach that properly introduced you to sparring because like to give my little anecdote it's like my first sparring experiences like for the first year that I was sparring I would leave the ring crying every single time just because my head was flying in every single direction and I was with 12 year old boys I was 17 and I weighed uh, like 110 pounds like I like teeny tiny no muscle and just being beaten up by these boys that had more experience than me and it was just like you know not so fun although I think it at least I think it speaks to some kind of determination. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But it's just, you know, I think there, one of the issues is that like I was thrown into the ring for a fight without even having one month of sparring under my belt. Like this is just mm. what had happened. Yeah. So it, yeah, that's it, definitely not, not something I would agree with now. I mean, in hindsight, right? Like looking back at some of the things that have happened in the sport, um, you know, just, I see, I see a lot of it and it still does happen. I think there is like an old school mentality of kind of like you'll learn as you go along. Um, but yeah, for me, I definitely took control of that a little bit by saying like, I, I trained for about a year before I, um, competed Mm -hmm. because I really wanted to make sure I was ready. Cause I understood that like, this is a combat sport. Like there's going to be somebody punching me and I do not want to get hurt. Um, so I, I really wanted to make sure I was ready and it did take a lot of convincing. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that happens too often. And then a lot of people, like if they have an experience, like lucky for us, you stayed in the sport. Um, but there are a lot of people that have those experiences and then leave the sport forever, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I do just want to clarify that I I was I was practicing the sport for nine months before I, I started sparring. Okay. It's just like my I, I wasn't like thrown in two weeks after like walking into the gym. It's just that there was like a nine month period where it was more recreational. And then I started sparring, maybe had two sparrings under my belt. And then it was like just a tournament came up and I had to fight. And like it was the stupidest <laughs> thing. Cause like I was like hopping, like I looked like a freaking Bambi on ice doing whatever. <laughs> I don't know what my I don't know what my technique was, but it was not, <laughs> it was not good. So definitely just cringy experiences, but we learn. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we learn from it. So actually what I find really cool is I believe I read that it's one year after you started competing that you were the junior Canadian champion. My yes. Yeah. Yeah. So my first um, junior nationals that I went to, I won, um, which was a really exciting experience for me. We kind of just kicked things off super quickly. Um, we had a few fights. Um, so it was a year after I started actually competing. So yeah, it was, um, I think the moment for me where I realized, Hey, like I'm pretty good at this and this may be something kind of more long-term whereas before that I was just kind of yeah I'll, sure there's a tournament sure I'll go and yeah training kind of started to slowly like take over my life and um, my experiences but um, yeah I think that was kind of a moment where I made a decision mentally anyway to to take it a bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. And so would you say that is that nationals that you're like, okay, I really have the bug for it now. Let me like, see how far I can go. I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And were you always at, were you always the flyweight 51 kilo division or you were like, you were bef- below that before? No, uh, I always box. So it used to actually be 50 kilo. Um, that was the original weight class. And then once they, um, put us into the Olympics, they changed it slightly. So they changed it up to 51. Um, but I mean, it was kind of good for me when that did happen. It was kind of, you know, I was getting a little bit older. I was putting on more muscle just from like 
you know, being in the sport for a while. Um, so having that extra kilo is kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, other than that, it's always been flyweight. They've just slightly changed the weight class. Okay. They slightly changed the, the weight class. So I'm actually very interested in, because you're the first female boxer, I believe that is what is written is that you're the first female boxer to win two, two, win two Pan Am games back to back. So first of all, congratulations. You've had quite the trajectory, but then this all leads up to the 2016 Olympics. And I would just like to dive into a little bit what, how did the, what that went, what that was for you, because I can imagine after a 10 year career, 12 year career, we're going to get into what actually happened. So you want to just dive into the 2016 Olympics and all sure. that happened there. Yeah. So, um, you know, qualifying for the Olympics, uh, was a dream come true for me. It was, like you said, it was about 13 years of training and, and competing internationally, um, for that moment. So I don't think anything beats that moment of actually qualifying. That was definitely a highlight for me in my career. Um, but yeah, so then I get to the Olympics, um, I felt really good. I was prepared. Um, we had our draw. The competition uh, began. My first fight, I fought um, a girl from Uzbekistan um, and I won that fight unanimous decision. So mm-hmm. then I would be moving on to um, what would have been the bronze, like guaranteed bronze medal match um, against China. And I had about four days off in between. So we just, you know, you maintain your training, you got to just stay focused, um, you stay on weight, that type of thing. And so we did all of that. And, you know, just out of the blue, like, honestly, I still have no idea what caused um, me to get sick that that evening. But um, I went to bed and I just you know, my stomach was just off. And at first I thought it was maybe just nerves. I thought, um, Hey, I'm at the Olympics. Like maybe I was just feeling nervous. I don't know. Um, so I did get up in the middle of the night, I got sick and then I kind of just tried to convince myself, right? Like as athletes, we try to prepare for every, you know, situation you can possibly think of. Um, so in my mind, I'm just telling myself, all right, you know, maybe I just got that out of my system. I'm good now. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to, you know, be fine. Um, then I got up again, got sick. Um, and then after about the third time was when I was like, okay, (laughs) I think I'm actually sick right now. Um, and there was a bit of a panic moment and I called, um, the coach, uh, that was working with me. Uh, and I remember him saying that there was a doctor on call for the team, um, at any time. So they basically took me over to see the doctor the doctor wasn't too sure because I was going to be fighting that morning, um, at about 10, 11 o'clock. Um, they weren't too sure about what they could give me. Cause a lot of stuff for your stomach or like it was what they would call like a tourist virus, mm-hmm. um, also has a drowsy effect. So you don't want to give that to an athlete right before competing. And then there's a whole bunch of rules also on like what you can take, what you can't take, um, as far as drug testing goes. So, I mean, long story short, um, I basically spent the entire night just being sick. I I lost about five pounds of fluids uh, overnight. And, um, you know, I got up, I I, um, made weight. (laughs) Obviously I was way underweight, Um, but I did step on the scale. And at that point, I still didn't even know if I was going to compete. Like I was so exhausted and I had zero energy, Um, but we were just really just going moment by moment. And, you know, Danielle Bouchard was there with me, um, every step of the way. And she was, you know, in the room and trying to give me a little pep talk. And Mm -hmm. I remember just being in tears thinking like, how am I going to do this? And how is this all happening kind of in this moment, this, Mm -hmm. you know, could have happened two or three days before. And I would have had, you know, time to recover because of the break that I had. Um, but you know what, there's just no way of knowing when this stuff's going to hit. Um, so I, 
I did go to the hospital. They gave me some, an IV. They tried to like, just replenish some of the fluids, do what they could do. Um, to just give me the opportunity to compete. I know the doctors didn't think I was going to step into the ring, but I was just way too determined and way too focused after, you know, all those years that I thought, you know what, like, even if I have to quit when I'm in there, um, I'll know that I at least gave it all I had left. Um, there's lots of ways where, you know, they, you know, the coach could throw the towel, you can take a mm-hmm. knee, you can stop in the corner. I knew that I had ways if I needed it. Um, to be able to kind of get out of a, a tough situation. So yeah, I honestly, I just like fake it till you make it. I, <laughs> I put, I put my game face on, I got ready. I couldn't even warm up. Like I literally had no energy. I just felt like I was going to be sick every time I tried to move too much. So I just focused on being mentally prepared, you know, like what am I normally thinking before a fight, you know, and I tried to just pump myself up. I tried to, um, you know, just stay positive and, um, you know, I just went out there and uh, I gave it all I had it was I was still ended up being a close fight considering um the way I was feeling and I was fighting you know three-time world champion in that fight Mm -hmm. but I knew that she wasn't like a pressure fighter she was more of a technical fighter so I knew with my experience what I had to do um with her but my reaction was just slightly delayed and I could see exactly what she was doing but you know when you're not feeling 100% your reaction is just like oh (laughs) and in boxing it's it's a millisecond right to So that makes a difference. So, um, yeah, unfortunately I, I didn't get the result that I wanted. I didn't um, get to perform the way I really wanted to. Um, but I think that's, what's pushed me for this next Olympics, because I know what I'm capable of. I know that, you know, I was a medal favorite going into 2016, um, and to come so close, you know, to finish fifth at those games, I know that it just, you know, one more step and I would have been, um, I would have had a medal. So I think that's, what's driving me right now. Right. And I just want to clarify quickly for the listeners, Danielle Bouchard is currently my coach. And it was a really pleasant surprise when I had found out that she was in your corner at Rio, because as I mentioned before coming on, you're one of the, you're the boxer I was first introduced to when I started. And like, I just like, there's father Christmas and I call this woman mother boxing. She is just, <laughs> she's just yeah. the sweetest, the sweetest, most attentive coach I've ever had. Yeah. And so now to dive into a few things you just said, I'm very interested. So you said that mental preparation before a fight, I can imagine that, you know, the mental skills are essentially very important for any high performing athlete. And I can imagine that it's especially in these situations where that pre-fight routine, getting into that box zone is crucial. So what, what are your um, techniques for, you know, getting in the zone, preparing pre-fight? Um, I mean, I have, I guess, come up with a whole bunch of <laughs> things that I do to prepare. Um, one of them is, is simple and it's honestly just like um, having a pre routine, something that you do all the time that makes you feel comfortable that you know you need to do um, in order to, you know, reach that optimal like arousal level, uh, right? You don't want to be overexcited. You also don't want to be like too flat when you get into the ring. So trying to find that like balance of where you need to be. So, you know, I do a lot of, um, uh, of breathing exercises right before I start my warm up, just to get my breathing under control. I make sure that you know my warm up is kind of slow and gradual. Um, I, you know, even the way I set things out, and this is kind of something that um, Danielle Bouchard um, just really made me smile because when. I always like, I'm very like particular. So I set out a towel and then I set out all the things that I need on that towel. So it's almost like a guessing game. The coaches always kind of laugh, like, you know, what's on the towel and they take it away and you have to be able to like, remember what was all there. Um, (laughs) So the night when I was sick, I had 
already packed my bag. I had everything planned, everything organized. So they just went over to my hotel and they grabbed my bag, brought it over to the venue. And then I met them at the venue. Um, so when I got there, everything was laid out exactly how I normally, you know, lay it out. And that actually was just like a feel good moment, you know, in a moment where you're um, just completely feeling like crap and yeah. not sure if you're going to be able to do it. And it was kind of something that made me smile. And it was like, just some little thing. And that was something that Danielle uh, Bouchard did. And I just thought, you know what, that was, that was a really nice thing and a really nice way for a coach to bond with an athlete um, and to do something super simple that can really just, you know, help you mentally have that little like encouragement to, to keep doing what you're doing. So yeah, I'm big on like writing things down. Um, I always have, you know, two or three keywords um, or things that I like keep in my mind, depending on if I know that opponent or, um, you know, what I want to do for my strategy um, leading in. I always do, you know, debriefs with my coaches afterwards. Um, yeah, I guess there's, there's so many things. I work really closely with um, a sports psychologist. Her name's Kim Dawson. And, um, you know, she's given me a lot of, of really good tools. Um, Rob Shinky, he works with the national team as well. He's given me a lot of good tools over the years. Um, but it's definitely something that I think a lot of athletes do not use, but um, I think in the boxing game is, is really, really important. Yeah. And actually, I just want to say briefly, because right now you seem so open, so kind. So, you know, just this really generally kind person. But when I saw you at the Olympic, uh, the Canadian qualifiers last year in Montreal, I was there and I watched you fight two different people, <laughs> two different people walking, like walking to the ring. I could, I could tell right away that you like you had your box mindset and nothing was getting in. It was it was really cool to watch you fight, by the way. Really, really, really fun. Um, and so you're welcome. And so um, to dive into, we, we talked about the mental skills, but then afterwards, after this Olympics, mental skills, but then also mental strength, because I can imagine just how big of a toll this loss was on you. So how did you cope with your mental health and like coming back from that mentally? Yeah, that was tough. I mean, it's still something that, um, you know, I think about a lot and it's easy to get emotional about because you just put so much time and energy and focus into something. Um, so yeah, it's tough. I think at the time I just needed to take a little break from boxing. I needed to just like step away, focus on, you know, what are the things that I need to do? Um, and I think as athletes, sometimes it's so easy to identify yourself, you know, with your sport and only with your sport. And I think it's really important to have other things outside of that, um, to, to help you be just a well-rounded person. And I think I've been really good at that. I have a really good supportive team around me. Um, you know, my husband, my family, um, you know, some of the other support staff. So it's just, it's, it's good to have people that you can just call on, um, have conversations with. And sometimes it's just, you know, having a conversation, having someone just put things into perspective or hearing someone else's perspective on things um, can just, you know, really make a difference. So, yeah, I think, just taking a bit of a break, allowing myself some time just to, you know, think about what I really want to do. At that point, I did, you know, start working a little bit. I started focusing on, on different aspects of my career. Um, and then that's when we also decided that we were going to have a baby. So um, just, I guess, focusing on other other aspects of my life for a little bit, um, having a bit of a mental break, because up until that point, I literally went from, you know, competition to competition to training camp to competition and like so many things in my life are just happening so quickly um, that it really just flew by and I never really had time like downtime like 
I've never taken more than, you know, a week off of training Mm -hmm. because I was just always ready for competition. Um, so yeah, I guess it's just, um, taking that time that I needed, um, to rest and recover. Yeah. And uh, you pointed out something that I think is very important for all athletes and it's finding that balance and, you know, there's, there's, um, something going like not something going around, but there's this identity that an athlete will take that they absolutely identify with their sport. And I think having some other interests or other projects and hobbies that bring you outside of that sport aspect is essentially important so that when things like this do happen, you're not hundred percent tied to that one identity that makes it all the more detrimental when it doesn't go well. So how did you find that balance of you are more than an athlete, basically you are, you now you're a mother, you're you're a keynote speaker, you do all of these things. So how did you find that balance? And what were some of the tips and tricks you used to make sure that you were well-rounded, not only in your family, but also in just what you applied yourself to? I think like really early on in my career, um, I had coaches that pushed those other things, you know, go to school. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gone to school if it wasn't for my coach, right? My coach basically said, no, you're not just boxing, you're going to school as well. (laughs) Um, So, you know, yeah, just having those little things. Like I, even after when I, when I started to get some carding, uh, funding, I, I took courses, even if it was just part-time, you know, one or two courses, one at the university or online. Um, and then I always just had like passion projects. Like I'm always very involved in the community, um, you know, running my own you know, charity events or like high performance camps or, um, you know, public speaking, that type of thing. I think it's always been fun for me to just really understand um, and create a brand for myself and Mm -hmm. figure out, okay, how can I use my brand for more than just, you know, boxing and being in the Mm -hmm. ring, right? What can I do? Who can I um, connect with to just continue to grow my network? I'm always, you know, going to when events were allowed, (laughs) you know, going to events and really just trying to um, just meet people, get opportunities um, and just really see, um, what sticks. I love having like a new project, whether, you know, just like, just like with a fight, right. It's like, okay, you know where you need to be at the end. What do I have to do to get there? I like doing that with other aspects of my life too. When someone can just say, Hey, how could we, how could we do this? And I just like to like, okay, let me try to put those pieces together. I'm a planner. I'm an organizer. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, just finding things that you're passionate about things that you enjoy doing Um, you know, giving back, I think is really huge for me anyway, because I've always relied on my community and and people uh, for support when, when funding was, you know, really difficult to find in Canada or, you know, in the region. So being able to, you know, create a network um, that you can, you know, go to for that support um, is important. So having to, you have to give back in order to receive. So I think um, that's always been something that I understood um, as an athlete and something that, you know, creating partnerships. um, And there's a lot of things like through sport that I've learned and that I think I will take you know, moving forward in my career once, once boxing is all done as well. So yeah, just finding things that you're passionate about and really just, you have to take time outside of your sport to, to discover that. Yeah. And actually it's, it's funny that you're speaking of the, well, it's not funny. It's not funny at all. I don't know why I'm saying it's funny, but actually I was speaking with a mental performance coach that who is on, it's the episode right before this one. And we were discussing how athletes usually make very good entrepreneurs just as you were saying that, you know, we always have that end goal. We always feel, I, I know I feel the need, I'm sure you do too, is we always like, if there's no goal to it, there's no point in doing it. This is kind of like how I approach things. It's like, okay, I need to have these steps to reach this thing. If it's arbitrary, 
I, I'm not going to be interested in doing it. So mm-hmm. I, I find that uh, very interesting. And also, I want to just point out something that it's, it's again, I was going to say it's funny. It's not funny. But the <laughs> the fact that you wanted to quit school or not quit school, but not pursue schooling as a boxer, I find that, you know, it's not that's not something that's not constant in what I've seen in the female fighters, because what I've been exposed to is basically if you're a woman in the sport, you have no choice but to go to school because it's very hard to make a career out of this, especially, I think, amateur, the amateur fighting. Like, you're, you're not, like, pro is not even in your vocabulary or it wasn't any, at any point before this. So, like, I, th- I think that just speaks to, like, your own trust in yourself and your determination and saying, no, I want to pursue boxing because, for example, like, I, I like, all the women I train with, Danielle Bouchal, who we've been speaking about since before, she's an elementary school teacher by day. And, you know, there's Kim Clavel, who is a nurse, or there's Sabrina Obey, who's a kinesiologist. And all these girls on Team Canada, they, we all feel like, I don't know if we feel like we have no choice, but we've all chosen to have also professions because it's not guaranteed that we'll be able to do this. So, so how, how have you been able to do this full time? And how have you found it be like, how have you found it? Um, pursuing 100% boxing because now this has been your career for the last 10 years Mm -hmm. and I guess like it's not necessarily that I didn't want to go to school (laughs) it was that I didn't know what I wanted to take Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I was kind of like okay let me take a break but my again my coach was like "Mm, that's probably not a good idea Uh, anyways I did business um, in school um, at the time so I guess for me like when I decided to like go all in was when I actually quit my job. And at the time um, I wasn't receiving carding or anything like that. So the carding program, I'm not sure if you know, but that's like government funding by Sport Canada that allows you to train. So because we're not prize fighters, we can't get paid for a fight, but they can give you kind of an allotment of money um, to help you with your training. And then they would take care of, um, you know, some sort some expenses like your strength and conditioning, um, therapy, that type of thing but it's not a lot of money. It's not enough to live on. Um, but (laughs) so I did have that for, for a few years for probably about seven or eight years. Um, and then they decided to tie that to the national, um, training center in Montreal. So I do not receive any of that funding anymore. Um, but I guess, yeah, for me, like I've been able to do this because like I said, I created a network um, within my community uh, and it's like just business professionals in the community that, that support me and want to be a part of it. Um, creating partnerships, um, sponsorships, um, just being able to create those relationships. And I've, I've done a few courses and stuff with some of the athletes within boxing and within, um, you know, the Olympic committee on, you know, the importance of creating partnerships and, and building your brand. And I think that is really important. And that's something not a lot of athletes take the time to do. Um, you know, I have a lot of the, the boxers that come and ask me, Oh, will you be my agent? Will you do this? Will you do that for me? And it might be something that I kind of go into once I'm done boxing, but a lot of people don't want to do it because it's basically another part-time job on the side of your Mm -hmm. training, right? So you have to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to ask. You have to be willing to let people know what it is that you're working on because people want to be a part of it, right? They Mm -hmm. want to help you. They want to support, but if you don't ask, you're never going to receive. And I think that's a big thing is just getting out there, putting yourself out there, um, meeting the right people, um, having a good network of people and, then those people become your friends. They become your supporters. Um, they're the ones that are cheering you on all the way. Um, yeah. I mean, I have this, this one lady, her name's Jane and, um, I met her, 
um, really early on in my career, um, some, we were putting together a fundraiser and someone invited her to the table. I didn't even know who she was at the time. She was a big executive in RBC. Um, and she was just, to me, she, she became a mentor because I remember she was sitting there and there was a lot of influential people around the table. Most actually almost all of them were men, except for me and her. And she was the first person to like put a check down and be like, well, I'm going to write a check for a thousand dollars and just point it at them. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking like, okay, this girl's badass. Like I like the way she is in business and that's the way I am in the boxing world. And we like immediately connected and we became friends. She actually traveled with me um, to the Olympics in 2016, but just people like that, that are just in your corner, 100%. They believe in your dream. They believe in what you want to do. And they aren't afraid to ask people if, if you need support. So I think you have to find people like that, people that are going to champion for you um, that can really just get behind you. And that's honestly why I've been able to do um, what I do. That's really cool. And actually uh, my, my next question would be, because I have spoken about building your brand as an athlete. And I think it's something that is very important, especially like, but from my perspective, for example, I've only been training for five years. I've, I'm still competing at the provincial level. Hopefully in the next year, I'll, you know, be going to nationals and you know, taking that step up. But um, the, if the pandemic permits, but, uh, how would you, you know, starting to build your brand, how would you do that from like seeing as you are in the boxing world, seeing as, okay, for example, someone like me who, you know, doesn't have like this metal to show, how would you start doing that right away? Like now? Well, I think the biggest thing right now, um, is social media right? Like social media is this tool that we all have at our fingertips. Um, and I think it's important first off to understand like what and who you are, right? Like mm -hmm. what brand do you want to put out there? And everyone's different, right? Like think about right. Mayweather. Mayweather wants to be that boxer that people hate and hate to love, right? <laughs> right? And that's the image he put out there. People would buy his fights because they either wanted to see him lose or they liked him and they wanted to see him win. So it was like, mm -hmm. he just constantly had this, um, you know, engagement, right? So you know, people he would partner with would be very different than someone I would partner with, right? Like, so trying to understand, you know, what your brand is, what you represent, what's important to you, and then, you know, making sure that everything you put out there reflects that. Um, and then obviously you don't have to share everything on social media, but just making sure the things that you do share are, are those things. And then not being afraid to, again, like, I think it's important and something we don't do enough of is just letting people know, you know, who you are, what your goals are, what you're working on and how they can help you. Like people mm -hmm. want to help. Um, right. And so I think just doing whatever you can to just, just be connecting with people. Like you have, now you have this platform, right. To be able to like reach out to people and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Like, can you support me in this way? Um, but I think it's just not being afraid to ask for what you want, because what's the worst people can say? No, no. Yeah. Right. And then what, yeah. then you move on to something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just important. I mean, there's so many little things that we could be doing, but uh, right now I think social media, especially with everything being virtual um, is a big thing, right? So trying to just create um, what's that image, what's that picture that you want to put out there um, and then just doing it in a professional way. And then once you have that platform, um, then you can start by like reaching out to small companies that you want to partner with and like, how do we work together to like help each other? Right. So whether it's a brand or, you know, I work with, with Under Armour, I work with Everlast. So, you know, how can we help each other? You know, whenever I have conversations with them about our partnership, it's not just, okay, what am I getting out of it? Well, 
they're not going to, it's not going to be a long lasting partnership if that's your, your thinking going into it. Right. So what can I do for you and what can you do for me? So, um, I think that's kind of, um, I guess some of the key things that, that I think. Yeah, that was beautifully put. And actually, Under Armour is my dream company to work with. So I'm just putting that, just putting <laughs> there that out there. By, by the way. Yeah. So next up, I'd love to. All right. So we did the 2016 Olympics. That was not fun. But afterwards, you know, you have this beautiful baby girl who is absolutely adorable, by the way. She's <laughs> such you. a ray of sunshine. And so how was, because you decided, because I, I can imagine it was like, a big step to decide, okay, I'm going to take on another four years, five years now, take on another four years of training, you know, try for this next Olympics. But in between that, you had, you know, your daughter, who I'm sure is 100% a beautiful blessing in your life. But how was it coming back and preparing for your next Olympics after having a baby? How did, how was that? Well, I think part of the reason that I did decide to come back was because I knew it wasn't going to be four or five years. It's now been an extra year with the pandemic. Um, But the whole idea was that, you know what? I had my daughter. This was like an amazing, like you said, an amazing blessing for us. Something that we really wanted to do. Something that we definitely planned out and and made sure, um, you know, when we wanted that to happen. So I think right after having her, I started training again. And obviously like my way of getting back into shape and losing that baby weight was to go to the boxing gym because that's just what I do and what I know. Um, and then I think being in the gym at that time was when I was like, oh, you know, like I still, I still kind of want to do this. And I, um, you know, when I had Kate, I didn't have that planned. It was in the back of my mind, but I didn't have that planned until, you know, I was in the gym for a little bit losing the weight and just seeing all the boxers training again. And I, you know, came home and told my husband like, Hey, like, what would you think if, (laughs) um, he didn't really respond. I'll tell you that (laughs) he's a a firefighter, right? If I'm not mistaken. So that's also a very busy schedule. So I can imagine. So I think I had to like warm him up to the idea, um, because it's hard, right? Like it was a huge dedication, before but imagine like having a child and now whenever I'm gone it's all on him right so Mm -hmm. I can totally understand that that's you know a a very different decision now like when I did make that decision to come back it involved a lot more people um, than just me being like okay you know I can just go and train and this is just what I do Um, so yeah I think that's the biggest part and the hardest part um, is just the planning of around um, you know how does, how does training, what does training look like now? Um, Mm -hmm. I can't just, you know, I used to have days where I would train three times a day. Um, can't really do that anymore. (laughs) Um, so I think now I have to train, um, smarter and not harder. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have a really good schedule right now. Um, Kate is in part-time daycare, which is really nice and helps us a lot. So she goes in the morning so I can kind of do um, my first workout in the morning and then she still naps, which is awesome. So that I do my second workout when she's napping um, from home. So, I mean, honestly, like it's been great, even though like the pandemic has pushed this out a year, I think I've become, you know, a much better boxer in the last year, just having that time to work on some little things that normally you don't really like to spend that much time on, um, adding some new elements to my training. Um, but then also just being able to just be home and spend that quality time, you know, with her, with my family, um, has been very different, right? Usually I'm traveling Mm -hmm. all the time. So, um, I know that's going to pick up. I am going to be in Montreal uh, actually next week. So I'm, 
yeah, so I'm, I'm preparing for that, but yeah, so it's going to pick up again, but it's, it's really just been a scheduling thing. I think, um, yeah, my reaction, everything else kind of came back quickly when I, when I jumped back into the ring and started training again. Um, but that's again, muscle memory and just years mm-hmm. and years of, of that, that training. And I can imagine the muscle memory because one of the, I feel like the crappiest part about boxing is the weight. And you were saying, you know, losing the weight, getting back into shape and all that. Was there ever, ever any doubt in your mind that you wouldn't be able to get back to, let's say you were the flyweight champion for 10 years. Was there any doubt like, oh my God, maybe now, although I've seen you in person, you're very, you're, you're, you're small. <laughs> I'm sorry, not, not to say that's blatantly yeah. like that, but you, you know, you're, you're a small framed person. So I think 54, like, was there any, ever any doubt that, 54 would be your weight now or something well, like that? Well, honestly, like at first, like I said, I wasn't even thinking about making a weight class. It was just like, I just want to like get in shape, mm-hmm. fit back into my clothes. Like I was like, I don't even know what the highest I went up to. So when I was pregnant, I think I was like 160 or something. Like I, I put on a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, most of it like went away super quickly because, you know, um, once you have the baby and all that. But um, yeah, so I think, I honestly just focused on like feeling healthy and feeling strong and, and just feeling comfortable in my own, mm-hmm. in my own skin kind of a thing at first. And then I think I naturally got down to like a 123. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there is when I like, you know, when I started picking up my training that I could kind of slowly come back down um, to where I need to be. So it was definitely hard the very first time, but um, once I made that like at that tournament um, that you're talking about at the Olympic qualifier mm-hmm. um, for some reason, like I just made, I went down to that weight and like, it didn't matter what I ate. I couldn't even gain weight after that. Like it really? took me a little wow. while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my body just wasn't, was feeling good at that weight and feeling strong probably because I then had like you know a 15 pound baby that I was carrying around 24 right. 7 <laughs> there was added training that yeah. wasn't intentional yeah so yeah so all right so speaking of coming back to Montreal and prepping for the 2021 like ideally you'd like to compete like this would this would be like ideally you'd like to but how is it preparing preparing for you know, with this in mind over the last year and a half, because, you know, I myself as a boxer, you know, I'm not a leader excellence status. So I've been home, like trying to figure it out. But how how has that been for you? You know, not being able to spar because of public health guidelines and all that. So how has that been? Because I, I saw you were doing a lot of technology work. Um, so how, how has been training been for you? Yeah, so it's been interesting. I know that um, I think we've gone through some like changes at the very beginning of the pandemic, you know, we were stuck at home. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't do anything. That was, that was tough. Um, but that being said, I am pretty self-motivated and I, mm-hmm. my gym has, as at home has gotten very, very nice <laughs> over the pandemic. So I do have a bag and I have a double end bag and I have, you know, all the weights that I need, um, to be able to train and, and maintain my training. So I I'm pretty good at doing that. It's just the level of like intensity changes, obviously when you have someone in front of you. Um, so there was a while, like in the summer where we were allowed to, um, do some sparring again with someone that was in your bubble. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Um, and then when this next lockdown happened, like in Ontario, uh, we went through another lockdown. We're still just kind of slowly coming out of it right that now. Quebec. Yeah. Yeah. So, we actually had an exemption. So as high performance Olympic athletes, we had an exemption to be allowed to still go to the gym, which was um, 
huge for us and made a huge difference. So my, my schedule hasn't really changed. Like I've still been at the gym, um, Mm -hmm. pretty consistently, uh, working with my coach every day. Um, and we've now just had to be more creative, right? Like how do we simulate, um, a training camp or how do we, um, simulate that fight environment type of thing. So, um, I guess just really being creative with the training, uh, we're heading to Montreal, next week um where we will be doing some sparring and some you know test events just within you know the group um but yeah it's it's been different but i know that you know there are some people that are competing internationally i'm obviously keeping an eye on that but um they're they're not that many so i think it's really going to come down to you know who's staying focused who's being creative and who's able to kind of rise above what's happening right now that's that's Mm -hmm. really going to make a difference when qualifiers do happen and I'm very curious because like, as I mentioned, you, I saw you were using, you know, the simulator goggles and practicing, I guess, sparring in some sense in that way. But like, that, I can't, I can't imagine that gives you at all the same, like you're not getting punched. You're not physically feeling what it would be. So for example, if I can speak about like a weakness that I would have is like, okay, let's say my guard is going down, slowly slipping. Well, even if that person punches, if like the simulation punches you in quotations, like you're not feeling the hit of what it actually, like, I feel like it's hard to really adjust little tweaks, even though probably your guard is not an issue anymore, but you know, just uh, like, how did you deal with like that kind of sparring and, you know, really being able to channel specific things when you can't, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think working one-on-one with like my boxing coach, so we're still Mm -hmm allowed to do that so whether you're doing pad work or or that type of thing I think that's kind of the closest you can get to to working on that um and then yeah just being disciplined in in the training and your shadow boxing and your bag work um he can you know hit me with noodles that type of thing just to make sure that like you are um staying sharp on those on those other kind of aspects but yeah it's honestly it's been tough you have to you have to really just be creative and um kind of find a way to work around it yeah and what would you say like after all this after your 15 year long career what would you say would be the top three things that you've gotten out of it like sport actually aside what would you say are the top three things you've gotten out of this gotten out of boxing Ooh, that's a tough question um well I would say I mean one would be confidence I think that, um, you know, boxing teaches you a lot about confidence. You can carry yourself differently. You, you, um, you just learn a lot about yourself, what you're capable of by, you know, putting yourself in that position of, of having another person in front of you, um, you know, being able to overcome challenges. Um, I think, um, you know, a sense of community, it's giving me that for sure. Um, you know, I've really connected with, you know, this Kitchener Waterloo community, um, because of boxing and because of, of, you know, like I said, giving back and being a part of this, um, amazing network here, which I think will help me, um, as I move on in my career. And when I'm looking for, you know, a real job, (laughs) uh, type thing. Um, and honestly, just, uh, like, I don't know, like self, like satisfaction. Like, um, I think, you know, when you're an athlete, you have so many like ups and downs in your career. Um, you always have a goal to work towards. There's so much excitement in your life. Right. Um, and I know from like taking a little bit of a break and going to like a regular job and 
there's just kind of like your days are just kind of like, yeah, you get up, you go to work. Okay. Like there's not a whole lot of like up and down, like you have a really good day of training and oh my God, like I had a shitty day of training. Um, You don't really have that. Right. Or like competition. So I think that up and down, um, just getting that satisfaction of working towards something and putting everything, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally into it, and then being able to like come out on top. Um, I don't think you can really replicate that in any other way other than through sport. 100% no. So I'm, I'm, I'd be curious to see how you're going to deal with when this all, and well, not ends, yeah. but I can imagine it'll always stay a part of your life, but I can just imagine it'll be some kind of adaptation, like just, just in, in having to stop for the last eight months for me. And I have a re- very, very new career. Like I, like my mental health was not good. Yeah. <laughs> it was not, it was not thriving because of this. So I can imagine the adjustment is going to, you know, it's, some, it's the next hurdle I'm assuming will have yeah. to happen. And actually you said something, you said real job in quotation marks. <laughs> and have you, ha- did you have any struggles with people supporting you as a female fighter? Because, you know, having that supportive team around you, I think is absolutely essential, but, you know, oftentimes there's just going to be that misogynistic view of like, women can't fight and blah, 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 <laughs> which is absolute bullshit. But yeah. um, and did you have um, to deal with, like, did you have that system that really, like allowed you to pursue this or was there some like hard things you had to face? Well, I think it's changed uh, throughout my career for sure. Um, Early on, there was definitely a lot of that. Like there was gyms um, that still didn't even allow women in their boxing gym Mm. uh, when I started. And there was lots of times where I was the only female in the gym or, you know, you'd walk into to other places and again you were the only female um so yeah I mean you hear it a lot there's still I think less and less now where people will say oh you're you know you're too pretty to box or you're too whatever to box like <laughs> it happens all the time right and I feel like yeah. after all these years I wish I had like a, a good comeback for that comment because it's like <laughs> yeah like what do you want me to say <laughs> to that like <laughs> right you kind of just like play it off but um yeah I think there's, there's always going to be a little bit of that. Um, you know, it is what's still considered a man's world. Um, especially, you know, there's the boxing, the boxing, uh, generation. Um, I think it's changing slowly. I think a lot of coaches are obviously now wanting to work with female athletes because, you know, they listen, there's no ego. It's just kind of like, yeah, like I want to, I want to learn. I want to like, and when they fight, they just put it all out there. They leave it all on the line. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's changing a lot. Um, There's obviously still work to do um, for, you know, equality, but um, I, I don't, experience it as much now as as I used to obviously you know with the years and years uh of of training and you know no you've definitely proven yourself as a female there's no doubt like you could just show them your 11 Canadian championship and be like well what do you mean what do you mean (laughs) yeah I can 100% like I've gotten the the ballet like my own grandmother although she was very old school (laughs) Romanian she's like why don't you do ballet it seems you would do ballet I can't touch my toes like yeah yeah you know it would not be the ideal sport for me but you know I think my next question would be to you then what would you say to your younger self 10 years ago, like young Mandy starting out, what would be the thing you would say to yourself now looking back? Um, I would probably just say like to enjoy all the small moments. Um, I think like I've had some really cool opportunities in my life um, that maybe aren't even necessarily associated with 
with the competition itself. I mean, maybe like I've been to over 45 countries, you know, representing Canada. Um, that's pretty cool, right? To be able to like go and see all these different places, experience the culture, the food. Um, there's, I think a lot of really cool opportunities, um, you know, that come in between, whether it's like, you know, doing commercials or, or photo shoots with really cool people or music videos or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many really cool opportunities, but they just happen so quickly. And, you know, you're so focused on training um, and competitions that like, you don't even really take the time to just like absorb like, hey, like, this is really cool. Like I've worked hard for this and appreciate that moment um, because it's happening so quickly. So yeah, I guess now I'm trying more than ever because I know that this is the end of my career and this is kind of where, you know, after this Olympics that I, I will be hanging at my gloves that I'm really trying to enjoy those small moments and really just appreciating um, the whole process that goes into um, preparing for a major events or um, competition. So um, yeah. I know it's hard to say or hard to understand when you're like in that moment, but mm -hmm. I think looking back, it's like, wow, like that was pretty cool. Like <laughs> for sure. And yeah. so like, so now what would you like after this is all over? I'm sorry if I put it like depressing before, like your career is going to end soon. I didn't mean to put it like that, but yeah, yeah. It, like afterwards, cause you know, this is the end of your career. How, like, what, what would you like to accomplish? What is your ambition after? What is your next, your next thing? after boxing yeah like yes. in, let's say in three years or four whenever it whenever you draw the line you're like okay I'm ready to move on to the next thing when, yeah when I think you're yeah for me I mean the very first thing would be to have another child um I did you know my hope was to have like to be pregnant right now <laughs> to be honest mm -hmm. um so that my kids could be close uh in age unfortunately you know that um isn't going to happen but uh, yeah, so I definitely want to have another child. Um, and then, you know, focusing on, on my career, um, there's a lot of things I'd like to go back and just put a little bit more time and energy into. Um, I started a charity event called Champions for Charity. Um, you know, our year one, we raised over $165,000 for uh, McMaster Children's Hospital. Um, and I know that we can like grow that and make it even bigger. So I'd love to, to go back, put some energy into that project. Um, I think there's a lot of like small little projects that I want to get into. I still work with RBC on their Olympians program, um, you know, doing more public speaking, um, I work with another charity um, called Recess Guardians, where it's all about getting kids active just with like super simple, like play and physical activity ideas within the school system. So yeah, I think I'm obviously going to stay in that like fitness active space. Um, I also really like the marketing uh, world. So branding, um, mm -hmm. partnerships, that type of thing. So I think there's lots of opportunities. I know like like we said at the beginning, like as an athlete, I feel like I'm very much an entrepreneur and I will probably have five different projects going on <laughs> when I'm done. But I think that's, that's what I enjoy. I like, I like being busy. I like, um, you know, working on things that I'm passionate about and seeing them kind of come to life. So yeah, lots of, lots of, uh, little ideas and things that, um, will definitely keep me busy moving forward. I mean, if it's any consolation, I know you, you, like you were saying, you had, you plan on having your second child now and Kate is two years old right now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, if it's any consolation, my brothers and I, I'm the oldest, my brother, I have a brother three and a half years younger and another brother six years younger. And once you hit the teens, adult, the, the 
age difference doesn't really show anymore. So yeah, <laughs> I would I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, we're, they'll fight at any age, and yeah, then <laughs> eventually, eventually, it'll just kind of blend together. Like my 16 year old brother, I'm 22, and we get along like perfectly. I love him to death. So yeah, it's so good. it's not yeah. That's so, good to hear. <laughs> so I'm approaching my final question. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. This was really cool. Considering, as I mentioned, you're one of my favorite boxers to watch. So. <laughs> Um, my final question is, I would love to know what your favorite quote or mantra is that you live by. Um, well, I have lots, but I'm going to say, um, focus on the process and not the outcome is, um, definitely one of my favorites. Um, and the other one would probably be, you know, it's not about what happens to you that matters. It's about how you react to what happens to you that counts. Um, and I just feel like that's very applicable uh, for me and a lot of different um, aspects of my career, you know, in 2016. Um, I think um, that's something that, you know, I always think about something that my sports psychologist kind of ingrained in me um, yeah. early on. And yeah, so those are just a couple of my favorites. <laughs> no, those are two very solid ones, especially the uh, focusing on your reaction, not like react, not you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Focusing on your reaction to the situation is, you know, essentially important, especially, you know, from my perspective, I'm, I'm someone who's very emotional and it comes, yeah. it comes out like a little bit too strong sometimes. So I think it's very important for every, everybody to just focus on the pro process and also focus on how you're reacting to something because oftentimes it's not worth your energy. Exactly. So those, yes. 100% those are two beautiful quotes to end on. So my final, final thing would just be where can people find you if they'd like to follow you? Um, so I probably spend the most time like on Instagram. That's where I share lots of videos, um, you know, training, that type of thing. So it's just my full name at Mandy Bujo. Um, same thing. All my website is on, is on there as well. I do share some articles on there every once in a while, just like more behind the scenes, what I'm doing, how I'm training um but yeah pretty awesome. pretty easy to find online <laughs> awesome thank you so Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had fun. If you did, please make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button to keep up with every episode I release on Wednesdays and to help this podcast grow. Leave me a review on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. Share it with a friend. Tag me on your Instagram stories with the show link. I'd love to see what you guys have to say. You can follow me on Instagram at Yana Filio or you can even follow the show at Unbound Podcast to keep up with guests, content, and more. That is all for me this week, guys. Again, thank you so much for being here. I had so much fun. I'll see you next Wednesday. And until then, get out there and kick some ass.